The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 22, Murder House Part 2. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you, right here. If you have a story to tell, we're currently looking for more personal ghost stories, so if you or someone you know has one, please submit it to us for consideration. Go to thenightowlpodcast.com, click on the Submit Your Story page, and let us hear your ghost story. We'd love to consider it for the show. In tonight's episode, the team and I pack our bags, this time with our clairvoyant friend Sarah in tow, as we travel back to the murder house the home from our previous investigation that was the recent site of an unsolved double homicide. The victims? A male and female found murdered in cold blood in the male victim's home. Now, a few years following the tragedy, the current tenants, Martin and his girlfriend Veronica, and their children, believe that one or more spirits may be haunting this residence. Objects go missing, they have feelings of being watched, and they all seem to be losing lots of sleep. But out of everyone in the home, one person seems to be the most targeted, Martin. He's lost a lot of sleep, feels disoriented most of the time, has seen shadows and smoky figures out of the corner of his eye, and more recently was physically pulled and shoved by the unseen force. Martin is also the only member of the household to have witnessed a full-bodied apparition of a man standing in the entryway between the living room and the kitchen, who he later discovered through online research was in fact the male victim of the homicide. To Martin, he clearly felt a difference between the male victim's apparition he saw and the other presence threatening him in his new home. I knew this case was going to be challenging, but I had no idea what was about to unfold the first night that we brought Sarah to this location. Stay tuned. If you're new to the show, a quick note. This podcast is best devoured in chronological order, so we highly recommend that you stop here and begin your journey with us on episode 1, Ink, Coffee, and Spirits. And before we begin the show, let's run through some of the most important updates and announcements for all the great things that are coming this October with the show. First up, our official Night Owl Live event is almost sold out. You can get tickets by visiting our website, thenightowlpodcast.com. The event is taking place at one of our favorite haunts from Season 1, the Spider House Cafe. And we're taking full advantage of these haunted grounds featuring not only live ghost stories on the stage, but live music, food trucks, ghost tours a Halloween costume contest, a photo booth, and a market of the macabre with tarot readers and booths selling oddities and obscurities. We're calling this night of spooks and specters a nightmare on Fruth Street. There are only a handful of tickets left, so go to thenightoutpodcast.com and grab them while you still can. Secondly, we will be hosting another Night of Ghost Stories at the 26th Annual Austin Film Festival. The date of this event is still to be determined, but it will happen sometime during the festival, which is October 24th through the 31st. Keep an eye on our website, Instagram, and Facebook pages for updates. We still need live storytellers for these two big October events, so if you have a personal ghost story to tell, submit it now. If you're selected as a live storyteller, there are perks and prizes that go along with the fact that you'll be featured on the podcast. And you and a guest are obviously invited to attend the event for free. The deadline to submit has now been extended to September 15th, so get those stories to me now. It's easy, just go to thenightowlpodcast.com slash submit and type up your story. If I like it, I'll call you and have you tell it to me over the phone. Then if I really love it, you're in. 
And also keep in mind that if you don't get selected to be a live storyteller, it will still be considered for a future campfire episode. So send me those stories. Thenightoutpodcast.com slash submit. Lastly, we'll be taking part in a fun Austin Public Library After Dark event called Spooky Scary. We'll have a booth showing off some of our evidence, techniques, and methods, as well as some ways to test your own psychic ability. This event is also doing an indoor mock campfire, so bring your ghost stories because we'll be listening out for great ones to include in our show. Outside our booth, there will be many others at this event where you can learn about tarot, UFOlogy, and take a peek at some ancient spirit writing devices from the Mysterious Planchette Collection. This event will be held at the Central Library in Austin on October 25th from 7 to 9 p.m. Tickets are $7 and will go on sale mid-September on the Austin Public Library website. The team and I can't wait to see you at our mini events this October. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop. When you need custom t-shirts, this shop's got your back. Crisp, clean t-shirt printing without setup fees or hidden costs and always delivered on time. Oboyprintshop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y printshop.com. Mention the Night Owl podcast and get $50 off your first order. It was Friday, April 12th, and Alexis, Tao, myself, Sarah, and her husband, Renee, made up the team tonight. We'd made the long journey here to arrive by 7.30 p.m. this evening. Martin and Veronica greeted us in the front driveway as we stretched our legs and began gathering our gear. Sarah stood outside in the front yard for a moment, in the usual way she does on most cases, just looking at the building, in this case, the home, reading it, if you will. And as I threw my headphones around my neck and powered on my mic, Martin came to me at my truck and said he'd like to update me on some things in private. I had already warned him and the family about our methods on the show, don't validate or say anything in front of Sarah, so I was happy that he came to me discreetly. I powered on my mic and signaled to the team that I was going to head to the backyard with Martin for a second. And we pushed our way out of earshot. So what's happening that you found out? Um, some guy, because I order parts and they bring me parts. The guy pulled in here and he's lived here his whole life. And he says, hey, so-and-so used to live here, right? This, this used, they used to own this place? I'm like, I was like, I don't know them. They're like, yeah, her husband died here. So another somebody else died here, like previously. Previous to what the other incident we all know about. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was probably. Do you know how how long ago that was? And uh, then um, it was before this happened. And did he mention about like how old the the guy was? He or? was older. They were. I think they were almost retired or something. They were older. Oh, okay. And then I think he passed. She sold the house, and then they moved away. She moved away. So now we had on good authority there was at least one other death on this property. Now that puts the number of deaths at this particular location up to three. But at the moment, I was the only one on my team with this new bit of information. I was ready to head back to the front yard and see if Sarah was ready to begin the investigation. But before we dive in, I want to point out a few things and have a disclaimer right here. The audio on this entire episode was a huge mess. Sarah, poor thing, had gotten ill on this very day, tried to fight it off and didn't tell me that she was feeling bad, and when we arrived at the house, I heard her voice for the first time. It was practically gone. We drove a long way and coordinated for weeks just to be able to make this trip happen, so Sarah knew that I couldn't rearrange this. Bless her heart for powering through it. But be warned, she will be extremely difficult to hear, and I will do my best to fill in the gaps where needed. Secondly, this case involved a family in duress, 
with children and grandchildren running around, dogs barking, loud ACs and washers and dryers running in the background. But that's the nature of this show. We're rolling with things, capturing raw, candid moments on these sensitive cases where we simply can't ask people to empty their homes and turn off everything. I just wanted you all to be aware of these challenges that we faced, and I highly suggest that you put headphones on to possibly help you hear this episode more clearly, since we did face a ton of obstacles this time around. Okay. Now, where do you want to go first? Into the house. Okay. And then can I will we, determine can you from guide there us in? where I can go. Okay. How old is your son? Nineteen. Immediately upon entering the home, Sarah did something completely unexpected. She walked over to Veronica's older son, who was sitting on the couch looking in the direction of the TV, with his back turned toward us. Without warning, Sarah began touching the boy's shoulder lovingly and began rubbing him. I kept recording, but to be honest, I was really uncomfortable in this moment because Sarah didn't know this teenage boy, and she was rubbing and touching his neck and shoulders with his back turned to us. His hand suddenly lifted and reached back, searching for who was doing this. He felt Sarah's arm up and down and began petting and rubbing it too. It was only then that I realized he was blind and had a severe cognitive disability. I had no idea... But what was really incredible in this seemingly small, unexpected moment was Sarah must have psychically known his condition the moment she walked in the door. To me, Isaac just looked like a normal functioning teenager watching TV. Sarah's immediate action upon entering the front door before saying anything else was to walk over, put her hands on Isaac's neck and shoulder, and the first words out of her mouth to him were, I know you can hear me. I know you can hear me. My hands are cold. I can do that. I can do that. He's not a blocker like you guys. He lets everything in. So there's a lot of spirits around him. I'm weeding him out. Hold on. They're all good. Those are just requests. I'll go through that right now. I just needed to get those requests out of the way. They were urgent. Um, Tied to him? Yeah. I want to go back here. Okay. No, I know. I kind of figured this was the living room from the outside, so... There's a bedroom here. Is that what the window is? Is a bedroom? This one? Can I go? Mm-hmm. Can I go in here? Is it okay for her to is go in okay? here? These are older spirits. These are much older spirits here. You're feeling it here in this room? But they're older, more protective, like extremely protective. So there's something else. I'll find it. Okay. No, it's not here either. I have to find it. Now it's going to make me mad. i got to find him. I don't know why he's running. I'm going to minus the spirits with your son. So there's a few. So what attached to him, I am going to take with me when I leave here today. So I'll take him. But specifically, it's more like family. I don't know how to describe it other than their family spirits that are always with him. So because 
there's something else in the house. My initial thought when I looked up at the house, there was someone in your bedroom window. And I said, oh, I'm going to go find out who that is. But then they moved over here before we came inside. So I was like, that must be a living room. That was my assumption because it just moved across. So I have to capture that spirit so I can get the information on why they're here. But my initial assumption is that somebody died on the property itself because it doesn't feel like it's related to all of you. But because he's very open, that's the first place it's going to want to go. Whoever your family is protecting them, right? They're doing their job. So they keep telling me, hey, start looking for the other one. And this one's being elusive. So I went over there because that's where I saw it. And then for some reason, I was like, where did it go? So it's running around. But I'll find it today. So the initial read Sarah was getting involved a lot of family spirits protecting Veronica's son. But there was another spirit in the house that seemed to be hiding from her. And she wanted to find it. Sarah believed that the protective family spirits around Isaac had been working hard to keep him safe from this other presence on the property, one that she believed she saw in the bedroom window when she arrived, but that was now hiding. But she could still sense it, and in this moment she points out a room in the hallway that belongs to one of Veronica's daughters. Is that your room the, the messy room. <laughs> She's like, oh my god, and they're going to record this, and they're going to say I had a messy room. So it's going to travel from her room. So there'll be days that you're going from your room to the bathroom or walking through the hallway and you might see something there. She's like, I ignore it when it happens. I'm in denial. But you guys might see it because the hallway is where it's been traveling. Veronica's daughter denied seeing anything and seemed embarrassed by it. But later on in this case, she admitted that the door had closed on its own on occasion, but she was purposely ignoring it. It will be a little taller, maybe about almost the size of the doorway. Sometimes you'll get a shape, or you'll walk in the living room and see smoke. It's the same spirit, just one, for right now. Are you getting male or female at all? It's male. And it's, it's here. Sarah's referring to a spot on the living room couch. The spirit, she believes, sits in this spot often looking out the window into the front yard. The more Sarah picked up on this elusive male presence, the more guarded and protected she seemed to get. And she suddenly was getting messages from Isaac's protective spirits for our team member, Alexis. They were asking him for more protection for Isaac before we left. They want you to... Do something to protect him. They're insisting, I tell you. So I'm just telling you now so I don't forget. They're insisting you do something to protect him. But I think that person's associated with the property. At this point, Sarah is pulled outside through the garage into the backyard. Where did you go? We're in the garage right now. We're making our way to the backyard. Come here. I'm not going to hurt you. It was in the backyard, near the back of the house, that Sarah found the elusive male presence. 
hiding. She began trying to coax him to communicate, picking up little bits of information as she pressed him. Okay, show me. What does it look like? It's a male. Can I get a name? Let me see. Something that runs under the house here. Okay, maybe it's power. Maybe. This is the add-in bathroom, right? This didn't used to be here. So there's something down here that looks like a, like a, <laughs> you know what, I hate to say it. It looks like an urn mm-hmm. in a box. That's what I'm looking for. And you're seeing that here? Oh, that's, I'm seeing, or they're giving that's you, what they're telling They're telling you? Okay. But it's weird because this is how they're getting in. So there's got to be a water, or how he's getting in, I should say. But... It's like, I feel like he died on the property, on the ground I'm seeing, like, I'm outside. At this point, I was scratching my head a little. Let's just state the obvious here. We have a home with an unsolved double homicide where two innocent victims lost their lives in a sudden instant, and there was no retribution. The murderer was never caught. So going into this case, I'll admit I had a pretty narrow-minded idea on how this case was going to unfold. To me, the haunting had to be connected to one or both of these victims. I guess you can say, from the start, my mind wanted to believe this case would be as straightforward as it seemed. But when Sarah arrived and she continued to read the home and property, the wheels in my head were starting to spin. My thoughts went back to our first time here without Sarah, and the things that Martin told me that didn't line up with the theory that the murder victims were the clear answer on this case. He mentioned feeling uneasy in the garage and out in the backyard. He mentioned the dark presence that he attributes all the negative activity to. Insomnia, confusion, lost items, shadows and smoky figures, and his physical attacks. And then Martin wholeheartedly admitted that he physically saw the full-bodied apparition of the murdered male victim in his living room, but he said it didn't scare him at all. This male spirit wasn't threatening, but he admitted the other thing was. And now, Sarah is drawn in search of this elusive male presence she feels through the garage then out to the backyard where she now sees the presence. The fact that she feels this spirit died on the property outside is another fact that would not point to this being either of the murder victims. They were both killed inside the home. Then I have to figure out who this character is. Okay. What was the name of the... That's what it is. Renee will know. What was the name, the real name of the actor that was Cantinflas? Mario. Thank you. Let me go ask him about that real quick. Have you? Uh, she was saying that it's showing her like an urn type thing. Have you seen anything like I that? I haven't seen anything. Okay. My grandmother called me mm-hmm. and said that there was an evil spirit here. You need to leave or do something about it. She said there's a hidden treasure. So I don't know what the hidden treasure is. So right now that she says that is, yeah. According to the article, the man who was killed here had to be cremated because of post-mortem injuries. So yeah. he wasn't able to be to have a casket. He was cremated. The man that died here, that's the one that I seen. The one who was shot, though, right? Yes, that's the one that I seen in the living room. In the living room. <laughs> okay. So I don't know if that's him or the older, the Mexican guy. That died here. She's getting a. She's getting a Mario. That that's him. That's that's that that's him. That's that's him. That is him. Because I because I fix cars. They did a little bit of parts, 
And one of the guys, he's an older guy, he says, he told me that Mario lived here and passed here. At this point, I have to admit, this case keeps getting stranger. Martin had already opened up to me about an older Hispanic male who he'd learned had passed away on this property years before the murders. Sarah was now picking up on an older male presence that was giving her Hispanic references. For example, he gave her a reference of a Mexican actor known for a comedic character named Cantiflas, who was played by an actor named Mario Fortino. So Sarah wasn't 100% on the name, but she was thinking either the letter M or F was tied to this male presence. She eventually assumed the name Mario and kept referring to him as this. And as for Martin, he hadn't told me the name of the older Hispanic male before, but was now claiming this was the name of the man who used to live here and also passed away. At this point, I had no way of confirming that this was accurate, but this was all adding to the strangeness of this already peculiar case. Eventually, I made my way back to Sarah. Anything new? Yeah, just a couple of wandering spirits. Oh, okay. Nothing too specific, but this man, he's a little chaotic. I think he likes to trap them in the house and stuff around. He's been messing with them. These out here are just wandering ones. Okay. It's not a big deal. Every so often they just stop and look, I think, because they are having activity. Okay. But the boy has at least four, nine, maybe I'm going to count of five spirits on him. But the one that's causing the most chaos is that one man. The others are come and go kind of spirits. So they come because he's here and then he'll, they'll leave. And I feel like there's a woman here, but I can't pick it. I don't know if she's part of, like, one of them, like a a guardian, or if she's independent. I can't tell. So we need to help out if they're okay with it. Alexis should help out their son first? That's a must. Okay. They're very insistent. That was the first thing they wanted me to make sure you did. Do you have an idea, Alexis, of what we can do? Yeah. What Can you talk to us about it real quick? Well, I mean, there's a few things. We can just do a cleansing, but I think... Specifically with him, I would like to do a cleansing with Efum because it's sacred to Obatala and he would be a child of Obatala. And what is Obatala? Can you describe that ceremony that you would do? Obatala is the Orisha of Afro-Caribbean tradition and he rules all the children or people who are either sick or have maladies of any way, shape, or form, or if they can't defend themselves in this situation. So automatically, without even doing a reading or anything, he would automatically be a child of Obatala. So Efun is a powder that is crushed from snail shells. Sometimes it's crushed from eggshells. And a blessing done with that will help protect him, and he could do it every day. So that it's not just like, if I do a cleansing, I can do a cleansing. But after a few days, that cleansing is going to go away. But this is something they can do every day. Just give them a little bit of effluent to, to protect him. Is it okay if we do a thing to help sort of protect your yes. son? Okay. So he's got a plan to do not just a cleansing, but also a, it's a ceremony. He has a very specific way he does it. And it's something that you can do every day. And he can teach you how to do it. And it would just help him have a little bit more, like, protection and be closed off to what's here or what's interesting, what's here. You know what I mean? Okay. 
I want to point out that um, there's your son has a disability of yes. some sort. What what exactly is is going on? He's blind, and he was diagnosed with cognitive disability. Is it been from birth? From birth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Before moving inside, Sarah turned to Martin and started to address something new she had been seeing. Apparently, she said Martin was also very susceptible to seeing and feeling this presence, and she began doing something I'd only seen her do on one other case before with Manny at Buenos Aires Café. She focused on Martin's face and used her thumb on various places on his face and head to seemingly turn off certain, the best way I could describe them, are switches. So I need to adjust just a little bit so that he can stop messing with him. What does he need to do, anything? No, just, just stand, stand there because they keep messing with you on purpose. I rearrange. You're just wide open, that's why. And it'll be different. I just want to close that door. There you go. I don't know what this process is, and I haven't experienced it much with Sarah so far on the show, so I just stayed quiet and let it happen, mostly because of what was coming out of her mouth in the moment. She was verbally validating one of the largest components to this case. Martin seemed to be the one targeted by the more aggressive presence. My thoughts were starting to shift now, wondering if this haunting had more to do with this older territorial male presence than that of the two murder victims. Sarah felt the older male more in the backyard and garage area, the same area as Martin felt most uncomfortable, mind you. And now she was saying Martin was wide open, spiritually speaking, and that he was being targeted by this male presence. When Sarah was finished, she directed her attention to Veronica, who apparently was the complete opposite and entirely closed off. Awesome. Yeah, she's, she's like you. Oh, really? Yeah. It's completely closed. Completely. No, she's fine. Oh, it's you. That's who it is. That's the female spirit. I knew I needed another one. She's attached to you. Sarah believed the older female spirit that she'd seen on occasion here was someone tied to Veronica. As she began to recite what she was getting from this spirit, Veronica grew emotional, tears welling up in her eyes. But we didn't press her for any confirmations yet. Just let her receive the information. Some woman that's related to you. She's older. She's doing one of these like, yeah. But she was walking around earlier, so I wasn't sure if she was part of your family or not until right now. So she leaves and comes back, leaves and comes back. That's what it's how it's supposed to be. What did she what did she appear to you as? What did she show up as? She's not older like you would imagine a grandma to be. I don't think she likes herself that way. So she's presenting me herself younger, like in her forties, thirties, forties. Four I'm sorry, forties. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. She's very honorary. Um, in her forties. She's really beautiful. But she's very stern. She just wants, you know, she comes to check on you. And everything's okay. And to tell you to relax. <laughs> I don't know why she said that. But you need to relax. Calm down. Everything's okay. You have each other. Tell me a little bit about what that meant to you, what Sarah was picking um, up. Well, she raised me. Um, my mom left. We were with my dad. My dad raised my sister and I for a few years, and then she took us in, my grandfather and my grandmother. So she's my mom. And, well, um, she passed away 
a few years ago and it was pretty hard on all of us. And for a while, like, I always felt her around, you know? And then I didn't anymore. So just knowing that she, possibly her being here, it just means a lot. The way she described her, was there anything that, that reminded you of her? that made Very ornery. <laughs> Very ornery, she really is, yeah. Then Sarah moved back to Martin to address him once more. You've got a lot of lights on you. I think it's just because you're always open. It's a good thing, but this guy likes messing with you. So we got to take care of that. That is his way in and out through there. Here, Sarah's referring to the add-on spare bathroom. She still felt that there was something of the spirits, quite possibly his remains, buried here, underneath what is now the new additional bathroom. The problem is, this is a concrete foundation, and there's truly no way to get to it without ripping up the floors entirely. Okay. It's like not where there's a door, but there's it's just where that window is, kind He's of? going under the house. So there's got to be something that's there that's letting him in. Yeah, because there's like a little highway over there of wandering spirits. But they're not staying. They just kind of look and go. So that's okay. But I'm trying to figure out how he's getting in. That's why I think he's associated with the property itself. He's very territorial. He's giving me, this is mine. Very mine. Yeah, man. The man is very malicious. So he's been doing really weird things. Not just like scaring other people off, but it's other little things. He's causing events to happen for them. So, like, if they're going through bouts of, like, bad luck, you know, some people will be like, oh, there's so many things that happen all at once. A lot of the causes, it's really strange. It's like he's trying to own everything. And since he's already acknowledged it, he's not letting him go. You know what I mean? So we need to get him to stop. Sarah's referring to Martin here when she says he's already acknowledged him meaning that she knew Martin had already acknowledged the male spirit's presence. It's interesting to note here, as usual, we have not informed Sarah of anything on this case. So here she's picking up on the fact that Martin actually did this. And this is without any knowledge of Martin's experiences so far. And the one that came to my mind here was the experience where Martin called to the presence, asked it to show itself, and then it caused him to black out on his bed. But my fear is because the way that he's associating an item with the property. It's like there's something here keeping him here. And so we need to, like, either find it and get rid of it. Because it's almost like if you find it, I'll go away. I don't know if it's just to make us look for something that's not really there and distract us so that he can stay. This is how he's getting in. But he spends most of his time here. And then outside, he's claiming, like, Territory outside too, so I want to go in that other house. Okay. But I didn't want to just yet. I needed to get the boy. Okay. Sarah had moved us inside and wanted to have Alexis perform the ceremony over Isaac. Now, she believed that this would help calm the spiritual energy that she was having to weed through down enough to read the home and get more of a reading from this elusive male presence. When we get back from this short break. Alexis will perform a specific cleansing ritual to address the concerns surrounding Isaac and his openness to the spirit world due to his disabilities. All this with the hope of protecting him while settling the spiritual energy of the home down enough to allow Sarah a better view into what's really going on here. Stay tuned. 
This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop. Custom printed t-shirts made in Austin with love. Now there are many reasons why I love this family owned print shop and why Oh Boy is my go-to shop for all things Night Owl. But let me pick one to rave to you about today. Have you ever ordered custom tees from an event or bought some from your favorite band or company? Only to realize that they're thick, scratchy, and look like you're wearing a bag that isn't very flattering on you? Well, that's one thing that won't happen to you when you're with Oh Boy Print Shop. They offer a variety of t-shirts to provide the right choice to meet your needs. I myself prefer comfortable, slightly fitted tees that look and feel awesome enough to wear every day, either by themselves or under a throwover shirt or sweater. Oh Boy Print Shop helped me pick out a tee that fit those needs, and honestly, when I open my closet in the morning, I skip all my other tees and go straight for the Night Owl shirt, because it's the most comfortable and flattering tee in my entire closet now. Oh Boy's aim is to provide you with the options that help you get the product that meets your every need. So, there's no more need for hesitating. Order your first batch of custom printed tees with Oh Boy Print Shop today, and you'll be in great hands. Plus, now you can get $50 off your first order by simply mentioning the Night Owl Podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit ohboyprintshop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y printshop.com. Another thing that keeps this show going is listeners going and supporting our show by grabbing a drink off our special hidden spirits menu at the Clay Pit in Austin, Texas. The menu features four uniquely crafted cocktails inspired by our show and the spirits that we discovered haunting the Clay Pit building. We even have a virgin cocktail option for any fans under 21. On the menu, we have our signature drink, the Night Owl Martini. It perfectly combines bourbon and cold brew with a touch of ancho chili spice, and it's guaranteed to elevate anyone's spirit. And one of my favorites on the menu is a drink called El Engaño, which means the deception. Handsome, yet deceptive, this drink is a sophisticated twist on the old-fashioned, and it truly represents this establishment's seediest specter, Dowdy. We also have a botanist Aperol Spritz. It's fresh, herbaceous, and crisp, with a touch of bitterness that we can expect this building's strong female phantom, April, would surely appreciate. And lastly, we have our Hibiscus Palmer. Sweet, tart, and refreshing, this drink was inspired by the hardest-working spirit at the clay pit, Stedman. This unique take on the Arnold Palmer features house-made raspberry hibiscus tea combined with lemonade. You can have this one with spirits or without. Simply add deep eddy lemon vodka to make this drink haunted. So head on over to the Clay Pit, visit one of our favorite haunted locations from Season 1, and order yourself a drink off our Night Owl Hidden Spirits menu. Just ask for it behind the bar. Thanks for your continued support. At the very top of this second visit to this house, I'd been informed in private by Martin that he learned of a third death on the property, an older Hispanic male. And on her first walkthrough, Sarah hit a lot of marks, but one of the biggest unexpected turns is that she's not picked up on the double homicide. Not even a fragment has come through in her reading of this entire home or property. However, the fact that she was picking up on a strong male presence that seemed to align possibly with this new death Paired with her knowing Martin is the one being targeted by this spirit was very interesting. She'd also brought to light some possible clues. The male spirit led her through the garage into the backyard. The very door that she followed him through was the same door that Martin was pulled at when he was trying to enter the home through the garage one evening. The areas she senses the male presence were also the areas that Martin felt most uncomfortable. The garage and out in the backyard. And what I haven't really mentioned yet was that Sarah also felt uneasy near the back shed, much like Martin and Veronica. And this shed is literally right next to where she senses the male presence out back. But in this moment, 
Sarah had asked us to all come inside and address a serious plea from the protective spirits around this family to have Alexis do something to help protect Isaac, Veronica's teenage son. So we gathered the family in the living room. Alexis prepared for the ceremony and explained what was about to unfold. I just want to get something straight first. I'm, I'm not a santero. I'm not initiated into Santeria. I have received my warriors and I have received my collares that represent the different Orishas. And Orisha tradition comes from Africa, but it was blended with Cuba. The reason that I, I think this cleansing will help him specifically is because in the Orisha tradition, anyone who has any form of blindness, any kind of disability, is automatically a child of a Watala. We could take him to an Orisha priest and they would do a divination, but before they would even, they would say, no, we don't need to, he's a Watala, he's a Watala. So Obatala is the god of peace. He's the god of purity, light. He's just Obatala. Before we do anything, I have to ask permission, permission to the ancestors if this is something I can do. This is something that you could do every day with him. Very, very simple. And I'll show you what that is, but first I need to ask permission. Alexis lit a white candle and seemed to bless the ground with water from a small gourd. He recited a Yoruba prayer asking the ancestors to come forward for guidance. And when the prayer was over, he gathered four shells and threw them onto the blessed ground to reveal their answer to his request for permission. So they said, yes, I can do the cleansing, and they said, yes, I can also do this specific cleansing. So that's what matters. This is Efun, it comes from Africa. So this is powdered snail shells. The snail is sacred to Obatala. Uh, when it got to Cuba, it was really hard to get snails. So they would use eggshells. And that's where Cascaria came from. So that's the only reason why they don't call it the same thing, but sometimes they do call it this Efun. Efun is Efun. The idea though is that it belongs to Obatala. And as long as you place Efun on your body, I have some here, it's a protection. And so that's why I was telling him, I can do a cleansing and for him, but it would have, I have to keep coming back. So this is something you do all the time. So all you have to do with this, this one is a little harder to work with because it's, like I said, it's powder snail shell. The cascaria is really easy. It's like you touch it and immediately it turns into powder. So from this one, for me, I actually have to break a little bit of it. And you're just gonna mark three places on the body, the head and the wrists. And you can do the sign of the cross. You can do whatever. I like to do the sign of the cross um, and I'll show you how. And this is also if you're feeling threatened, if you're feeling like there's something in the house or something's coming after you or anything like that, just again, just a little dot and then the cross on the, on the wrists. Okay. Intention is always a big thing. Just remember that this, the purpose of this is to cleanse and purify and keep him protected and keep the bad things away and bring the good things in. He's going out. That's why I asked you to push. So we need to go us. outside? Okay. I think we can another. Okay, we're going back out to the back. <laughs> Sorry, I kicked you out. It is what it is. You can't go in there anymore, okay? It's not yours. This house is not yours. Oh, he's a little mad. It's alright, we're gonna let him calm down. He doesn't have any feet. So, he's not as strong as I thought he was. It's good. But he's mad. I told him he couldn't get back in the house. So when you pushed him, I wanted you to do it on purpose. Because now he's out here. So we're going to leave him out here 
If you recall, Sarah's husband, Rene, has been useful on some of our cases, most notably the tavern. He has this ability to repel certain spirits and attract others. He doesn't do it intentionally and lacks any psychic ability, but Sarah can see it and has been working with him to try to harness some control over it. While inside, during the cleansing ceremony over Isaac, Sarah asked Renee to use his energy to push the male presence out of the house and back to the backyard. It apparently had worked, and now he was a little angry that he couldn't get back inside. Sarah wanted to confront him and see if she could get more information from him now that he was grounded to one spot and couldn't dart back into the house to hide. So he keeps showing me a specific, it looks like an urn, to be honest, I don't know what to tell you. So it looks like an urn in a box. It's a small square box, but he's showing me that there's an urn inside. So to me, that means my remains are in there. That's what I'm thinking. I'm associating that with this. But then he's showing me that it's in the property itself. So I don't know if he's associated with the property and he's telling me, I have to assume a lot of things. Either he's telling me, even though I'm dead, this is still mine. Or he's telling me I'm here somewhere. Right? So that's the only way I can interpret it. It's one or two things. And I'm seeing things like if you're there doing something, it'll look like someone's watching you work. And you'll look up because it feels like someone's watching you. That's him. It's him. But because you acknowledged him, I think they just ignore him. He messes with you the most because you've already basically said, I know you're there. He's doing it on purpose. So you need to, the best way I can say it is, this is yours. And you need to think that and say that when he scares you. Like when you look up and you're like, what the hell? You need to say, this is mine. Go. Go away. Go outside. You have to claim the home as yours in order to get him to go. It's going to piss him off a little bit. So little things are going to happen like you leave your keys and then they move. He does it on purpose. So you need to say, stop it. Where are my keys? And find your stuff. It's because he hasn't let go of this world to move on to the next. Right? He still feels like the this belongs to him. That's all. Very territorial. Very, this is mine. And this is a, a person that you're seeing. You just descri- describe as much as you can about them real quick. Don't validate anything. So just he's about Renee's height, maybe a little taller and about that same build. But more, I'm going to say that about my husband, but more rugged. <laughs> more like he's been like farming or, you know, a little more tough. Kind of like everything's there. I think he can either, I don't know, either manifest in different ways. Like maybe sometimes he can and sometimes he can't. So that means to me he's not a very strong spirit. He's just doesn't want to go. Maybe he hasn't met that stage where he knows exactly what to do. But he does move objects, closed doors, mostly moving or appearing. But if he appears, he's the only one who's seen him. This was another validation by Sarah. She was referring to Martin in this moment. And he, in fact, is the only person that has seen this presence, or what he attributes to be this presence. He mentioned lots of different descriptions, but gray misty figures, shadows, and then there was the large black figure he saw in his bedroom right before he passed out. Again, the mist, like in the living room, you'll see like 
gray mist. That's all him just trying to get them. It's like he's trying to get them out of the house, trying to scare them enough to where they leave. And the other thing that he's doing is he's causing a lot of chaos. So um, if you've ever felt like you've had a run of bad luck, right? Like one thing happens, one thing happens, one thing happens, one thing happens, one thing happens. And then it gets so emotional that you start infighting, right? You're like, oh, well, it was you or you should have done it or this or this or that. He's doing that. He's causing that. So when you feel that way, you have to really think, did I really feel that way? Or was it something else? Did it come out of something else? Like I was fine having a great day and all of a sudden, you know, we're angry with each other. And you're like, what happened? That's him. And the more you do it, the more often you do it, the more he's feeding off of that. He's, it's done on purpose, but he's like he's trying to run you off. In this moment, it was hard for me to attribute anything that Sarah had just named off to Martin and his experiences. The only thing that I felt might be related to this was his tiredness, lack of focus, inability to complete tasks, and insomnia. And did you say he looked... Or he was Hispanic? He's lending himself to be that way, but there's white people that look like they're Hispanic, so you never know. But he's in that genre. Darker hair, you know, the skin, the height, the weight. I would throw him in Hispanic, yeah. And you got a name, but he showed you... His name is either Mario or Fortino, because the F came first. It's like... That was the first letter that I saw, but then he showed me that picture and I thought, I don't know who that is. And then he had to show me another reference so that I could make the reference. That's why I asked you, what's the name of that guy, the actor? Because it's not Cantifas. I was like, that name? And it was like, no, that's not the name, the, per- the, the person. So it's probably a Mario or Mario something with an F. At this time, Martin wanted to take me inside and tell me about a recent occurrence that directly aligned with Sarah's reading just now. If you noticed, Sarah hit on another validation, the keys going missing. Martin had already reported that this was one of the major issues he has had on a regular basis in this house, but he had even more news regarding this issue today. I just, I just came from Austin to go buy new keys. That's why, I have, that's why all my stuff is out in the, in the garage. The key to my toolbox is... They're gone. On the way back out to regroup with the team, Martin stopped in the living room and pointed at Isaac, sleeping on the couch. He was laying in a fetal position with a comfy blanket tossed over him. I hadn't noticed anything odd about this until Martin pointed something out to me. He's completely out. Yes, he, doesn't Does he, do, he doesn't do that? He never sleeps like that, ever. There. Ever. He sleeps sitting down. He's always so tense. Yeah. After Martin said this, I recalled seeing this on our first visit, actually. I hadn't put two and two together. I didn't even know Isaac had a disability when I first saw him. But I saw Isaac sleeping sitting down on the couch with his head down in a very uncomfortable position the last time I was here. But to me, I'd assumed that he was just a really tired kid who passed out in a funny way on the couch. But apparently, sitting with his head leaning forward is the way Isaac commonly sleeps. Now, after Alexis's cleansing, it appeared he'd fallen asleep in a much more peaceful, comfortable position. It was something interesting I took note of. A physical change in his mannerisms that looked, to the eye, much more calm and positive. When we made it back outside, Alexis grabbed me to share a little new info he had gotten from Sarah on the backyard shed. She did mention earlier that she doesn't need to go in there because she said that that's just where he goes when he leaves. When he can't get in the house, he just goes in there. That's what, that's what that is. 
And you had felt uncomfortable from that. You oh, didn't like I, it out here. Nobody right? wants to go in there. Yeah. Nobody wants to go in there. I wasn't sure what our next step would be, as this case had already proven to be what I expected it to be, a challenge. So I needed to regroup and talk with everyone about what we thought would be a good direction to head next, when Martin began to share a little more than I liked with Sarah. I could tell he was a little anxious and nervous, and it was killing him to not be able to talk about his experiences with Sarah directly, but I always ask clients not to validate anything until the case is over. It just helps it all together. But Martin began talking and spilled the beans a little on the moment in the bedroom when he asked the presence what it wanted and for it to show itself to him. Sarah took the reins from here, and I tried to just record the conversation as best I could. So anything else that's going on that we need to deal with other than like... Martin needs to stop talking to this. Just blow him off. I want to know what he wants. He knocked me down. And everybody thinks I'm crazy. But if I'm standing and I fall on my face... It's like, let's say you went to work with your co-workers every day, but they never talk to you. They never say good morning. They never do nothing. They just walk past you like you're not even there. And then one day, one of them goes, good morning. You're going to be like, oh, hey, blah, 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 blah. And then they just ignore you again. Then the next day they say, good morning, Martin. And you're like, oh, hey, I'm going to talk. And they blow you off. Eventually you're going to get so mad, you're going to be like, why do you tell me good morning? You don't even pay attention to me. If you're going to find what he wants, right? Right now all he wants, he's looking for a box. It's going to have some kind of remains in them. But I kept trying to, he kept showing me, like, it didn't look like this. So he kept saying, it's probably right here, but it's where the bathroom is. So if the bathroom's built over it, you can't do anything about it. He won't tell you from inside? You'd have to take the floor up. So if you can't, you need to strike a deal with him. If I cannot find it in a certain amount of time, you need to leave because I can't find it. The first the place you think to go and look, look. And if your gut says that's not it, the next place you want to look, look. But don't keep looking. You have to strike that deal and say, if I don't find it by two weeks, I'm not going to look anymore. All right? Because it's going to drive you crazy. He's winning. You're letting him win. So for me, asking it what it wants, what it needs to be done. You're committing to something without giving yourself a line in the sand. You've left it open. You said, what do you want? So he's just volleying stuff at you. You have to say, what do you want? And if I can help you, I will. But if I can't, you have to leave my family and me alone. You have to create those boundaries because he'll just keep coming. So if I can ask him what he wants, but tell him if I can't find it, leave me alone? Yeah. Just like that? So I was only doing half of the job. Exactly. I could sense frustration in the air, and it was there, rightfully so. Martin didn't ask for this intentionally. He was trying to face what was targeting him, attacking him, and making him feel crazy. He verbally called it out and asked it what it wanted, but unknowingly opened a door. And now he was going to have to take measures to renegotiate the terms based on what Sarah was just describing. But I took this moment to pull my team away 
give Martin and the family a moment and have a regroup with my team out on the front porch because I also had just learned something from Martin in private that I felt Sarah and Alexis should know about. I knew our work here tonight wasn't done, not by a long shot. So why, why I brought you out here was he said something to me in private. The sleep thing is bothering him. He can't sleep. And I know you told him that you closed it, so this should... Yeah, it shouldn't affect him. And, like and he lost his job. I almost want to say, like, whatever we can do to, to boost the... Whatever they need to get the negative stuff that's continuing to affect them. But he's the one who's causing it. I know. It. I know. I can. And then even me with you telling him, he's still obsessed with still doing it. I know. I remember, like, when we left, before we left last time, I showed him how to do the cleansing with... And he only the did Bala half Santo. of it. I asked him, he, see, he can't finish things. So I'm wondering if we need to be here and he needs to do the Bala Santo. Yeah, but he needs to do the whole thing and we need to make sure he does the whole thing. I mean, the only, only other thing is to banish that spirit. But there's no reason for me to. And I would hate to do that yeah, to him. Yeah. At this point, we brought Martin and Veronica back outside to discuss final plans. I encourage you both to set the boundary together because it will hold him accountable for what he says. Right? And you have to remember if you don't let it go, you're going to hurt everybody else. It is important that you draw the boundary and say, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to help you, but only for this much time. And I'm only going to help you for this much time during until we finish, right? If I don't find anything, you need to leave. And don't let him in the house. You have to set that boundary. And you guys have to do it together. But you have to remember, if you don't set the boundary, if you don't tell him, yeah, I said I would help you, but I'm only going to help you find that one thing. And if I don't find it, you have to go. You have to set that boundary. Because you're hurting, you're going to hurt yourself and your family if you don't. You're going to do that. And then we'll come back. Everything will be the same. And then I will have to do what I don't want to do, is banish him when he's not ready to go. I don't want to do that to him. We have to first be respectful of the spirit and create that boundary. Respectful of yourselves to create the boundary. And stick to your word. But you have to do that because you opened the door. He's creating the chaos. I told you, that's what he's doing. Like you said, you start things and then you get pulled away and distracted. Yeah. I really think you com- you doing the complete Palo Santo is like the first step of being like just a full circle completion. And it's all positive. If this thing's not evil, it's not going to get rid of him. It's going to make him probably more positive also. Am I wrong though? I don't want to like give him the wrong no, advice. No, you're 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. Finish it. <laughs> that is important. You have to complete the whole thing. Okay. It's hard for you. I know. Well, that's why I ask for help all the time. Yeah. If you want us to, we can do it with you. But you have to lead it. But you have to do it. I'll do it. Okay. All right, well, let's do it. I was glad this finally came to fruition. In my gut, I knew we needed to help Martin with this first cleansing. I'd learned from Veronica that he had only done a portion of the house with the Palo Santo after our first visit. The cleansing is ineffective this way, and Alexis and I had told him this, but instincts were firing off left and right this evening, and something kept telling me that we just needed to stay and ensure Martin performed at least one complete 
Palo Santo cleansing of the entire house before we left. Not only would this ensure that the cleansing was complete, I felt it would be a positive break in this negative cycle that Martin found himself falling into of not completing things. We moved inside and Alexis guided Martin through the ritual. Martin began the ceremony very reserved. He even looked a bit repulsed by the Palo Santo, holding it out far away from him as the smoke rose and filled the home. At one point, Sarah actually walked over, grabbed his hand, and drew the Palo Santo in close to his chest. I watched Martin slightly wince at this. Then, for the remainder of the ceremony, he kept it close to his heart. In all honesty, Martin suddenly began doing a very thorough cleansing, opening cabinets, drawers. I mean, every inch of this house was cleansed by his hands when this night was over. The last step is to cool down the room with some rose water, and Alexis prepared it and gave it to him in a bowl. As Martin made it through the hallway, he called out suddenly from the room with the spare bathroom in it. We found him standing outside the bathroom, pointing at the floor. I didn't know what I was looking for at first, but eventually I saw it. Seeping up from the floor planks was water, or a clear liquid of sorts. But it wasn't spilled water, because it was only seeping up through the cracks in the planks. That was not like that a minute ago. No, it wasn't. I walked in here. Yeah. Is it water? It's water. I haven't sprinkled in here yet. But it's like, but you see how it's kind of like in the... It's in the crease. It's in a weird pattern. Like, yeah, it's like it's coming up from the bottom. Have you touched it? Is it water? It feels like water. It's not slimy? No, it's not slimy. What is slime? Not water. (laughs) Like ectoplasm? But this is water. It's more water consistency. Step where? Oh, yeah. There it is. Look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's coming from underneath. underneath. Yeah. It was not leaking. I guess, you know what? Let's not distract ourselves and not yeah. finish. Let's finish. Yeah, that's, what it's that's probably what's happening. <laughs> so I realized something here. One, Martin hadn't completed the ceremony. He was at the very end of it when this suddenly happened. And obviously this water coming through the floor needed to be addressed, but not right now. Martin needed to finish this cleansing once and for all, or else he'd be right back where he started, distracted and unable to finish things. So he finished the ceremony, and he admitted that it felt great. So we returned to the spare bathroom to examine this water again. I never jumped to conclusions that mechanical or maintenance issues are paranormal, so I'm not going to say that this odd water seepage was because of the male presence. Either A, wanting to distract Martin from finishing, or B, let us know that this is in fact the area where his artifact is buried. But it was all a little unnerving nonetheless. Sarah had blatantly said on more occasions than I put into this episode that she believed it was buried under that spare bathroom. It's a pretty strange coincidence that before we left, this odd appearing water surfaced. See the water coming up from the cracks? It could even be coming from the shower. Pan might be broken. God, yeah, that's so strange. I could even step on a plank and see bubbles and more water seep through the cracks of the plank when I stepped on it. Another eerie thought crossed my mind. Let's say this was a major plumbing issue. It's under the floor. The only way to access it is, you guessed it, rip up the floor. The final thought that crossed my mind was one that raised my hair a little. What if this presence heard Sarah explaining the new terms that she wanted Martin to make with it, and it realized 
Looks like I'm going to have to speed this up. Now that's a long shot, but it did cross my mind. It's hard to dismiss how coincidental this leak happened to be with everything that was said and went down this night. You need to be very careful when you're asking any spirit, what do you want? Because if you can't complete it, they will not let you go. You have to create those boundaries. The only thing that's bothering you is that one spirit. I've seen him. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see him as a person. Like a shadow. Mm-hmm. Black one. He's not strong enough to give you more. Because you're not ready to see more. I, Does that make sense? I, I, I passed out when I see him. Again, because you're not strong enough. It was very late, and we all had a very long drive ahead of us, so we needed to start wrapping things up. To me, it honestly felt that we weren't quite done with this case. Not yet. But I felt we'd done a lot on this first visit with Sarah. She communicated the need for Isaac to have spiritual protection, and it feels like Alexis accomplished that, and left the knowledge and tools for Veronica and Martin to continue the practice on their own. Sarah had named out a lot of very specific activity, including the fact that Martin was the only one who'd seen the presence and was his target. We also now had a theory as to why this happened, because Martin opened that door to communication the night he spoke to him. But we'd also help Martin understand the situation better, hopefully, and also ensured he finished the Palo Santo cleansing properly tonight, which was a great first step in the right direction. But I'd be remiss if I did not point out that Sarah never picked up on the one thing I, and I'm sure everyone else, thought she would. The murders. But there's one last thing that happened this night. To me, it was the most shocking part of the entire evening, even though it was short and insignificant to Sarah. So, we'd gathered our things and were heading out the front door when Sarah saw a unique blood-red crystal or piece of glass of some sort sitting on the concrete steps. We'd actually seen it on our first visit, Well, Sarah picked it up off the steps of the porch and held it in her hands for a few seconds, what she would say next would make everyone's blood run cold. Look, 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 look. What is that? What is that? But you know what's recorded on here? Screaming. Wait, you're hearing screaming? That's it. When I saw it walking, I was like, oh, shit. Why is that there? With the screaming, what did you hear? Yes, there's just... Somebody just murdered me, female screaming. I couldn't believe what I just heard. Somebody just murdered me, female voice screaming. That's what Sarah said. Not knowing the history here, Sarah just found it odd that she was reading this. Everyone else on the porch was trying not to react because we all knew exactly what she was picking up, even though she was unaware of it. Sarah quickly handed the stone to me and said, Take it, it's too weird, I don't want to handle it anymore. I then asked if she could go inside because I needed to chat with team member Alexis about some final thoughts on this night. But really, I just wanted to talk about what we just saw. So the two things I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. That right there. Like that's, yeah. So I know there's got to be something. She's not getting any of it. Except for that. That's the first time. Yeah. So I feel like that has to be resolved. And then I think that's another thing that's going to come to the surface if I don't want them to be continually suffering through all that stuff. So that's why I was just getting your thoughts on it. I agree. Sarah knows what the spirit wants, and it's not a bad spirit, but he's just got a really strong 
personality and he needs that to be done for him so he's been agitated and trying to get Athene to do it so we don't want to do the banishing thing that she says that she can do yeah but then again I'm like we want to get that cleared so we can if these two other things if there is anything because Martin says he saw that other man yeah and then I kind of wanted to take that inside the house I kind of do too but I feel bad about doing that but what would it do it might show her where that screaming's come from. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, even even with the, the tavern, I mean, it took a while before she saw that. Yeah, it did. You know? But when she said that, I was like, oh. Like, <sighs> okay, well, let's get her and let's see. Let's see if she's willing to take it inside. Yeah. The, the rock you the picked rock. up. Can- I know, I just told him to go clean it. Okay. I didn't tell them why, I just. Can we bring it inside? No. Don't. Don't bring it in anymore. It's outside until it gets clean. Okay. Sarah was pretty opposed to bringing that red crystal or glass stone into the house. But she was willing to come back out into the porch and hold it for a bit longer. Do you have it in your hands? Take two steps back. She keeps screaming. She's small, like... Small like Martin's wife, small, really thin. And she's out there. She's saying, Stop. Don't hurt me. It's like she was. I can't get her to stop screaming. It's like she was attacked, I can't tell you. But she's saying, Stop. It's like it's recorded. She didn't have it in her hand. It was like picking up. Maybe it was thrown nearby. The first place I ever found that was behind those bushes. Okay. Where Martin pointed to was the bushes right below the bedroom window where the female victim was murdered. It's really weird, but it's not. It's not associated with the house. Not her. It's like she was passing by or something. It's really weird. What I have not revealed was that this female victim was in fact passing by. She was just visiting the male victim from out of town when this tragedy occurred. Like somebody was attacking her or holding her down. She's yelling, stop, don't hurt me, stop. And I can see, no, because she doesn't stop screaming. It's just recording the drama. I'm not talking to her. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes sense. So you're just seeing the, the yes. recording. Like a little video. Clip. Like a cleanse. Like you it. just got the energy. Yes. Okay, an imprint. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's, that's why I'm saying you need to clean it and don't bring it in. Because that kind of energy can leak out and cause other Making problems. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah had no idea that she was picking up on an actual murder that occurred in this home. And I wanted to keep it that way, for now, because I knew we'd be back. It was tough to leave on this final note. There was a chance that on our next visit, Sarah might be able to focus her energy more on the two victims, and if they in fact had anything they needed to get across, they might be able to. But for now, it was a long drive home for the team and we needed to rest. So we said our goodbyes, and we hit the road. Alexis and I talked the entire way, discussing the findings and our final theories on everything. 
We felt that we now had a handle on this case for the first time ever, and maybe, in our follow-up visit, we could actually see a difference in this family and their paranormal situation. But sadly, this feeling would be short-lived, because in just four short days following our visit, I would get a phone call from Martin, and it wasn't to tell me that everything was going great since we left. It was quite the opposite. What's happening? What's going on? He's been lying. Who has? He has been lying to everybody. Who's he? The man is lying to Sarah. He was not what he said he is. As we continue this series, Martin's experiences begin to intensify as our investigation continues. He begins calling me repeatedly, desperate for help, and the case grows so concerning that Sarah has to request Martin leave the home and come meet us privately in Austin, Texas, to see if we can get a read on him without disturbing the presence that seems to be targeting him in his home. And Alexis and I tread cautiously as we try to determine if the murders on this property are connected in any way to this case at all. Thanks for listening to episode 22 of the Night Owl Podcast. This series is still ongoing, and I'm not sure if it will conclude on September 30th as scheduled. It might shape up to be four parts, and if this is the case, the conclusion will most likely be released sometime in October. More than likely, October 28th. But don't worry, part three is still slated to release on September 30th of this month. So stay tuned. I'd like to thank my team, Sarah, Alexis, and Franklin for going on these crazy adventures with me. Nicholas Fair and Petey Wilder for your talented musical contributions to the show. Jennifer for keeping us organized and on schedule, as well as assistant editing. My dad, Sam, for his historical research assistance. Alex for his help assistant editing. And my very supportive wife, Tao, for sticking with me all these late nights and long hours, and for taking amazing photographs on every case. And last but not least, David Dalton of Driftwork Sound for mastering every single episode on the tight turnarounds I give him. Please support their works by visiting our website, thenightowlpodcast.com, and clicking on the About tab. There you can find links to all their individual works and websites. And to help keep this show going, and my team and I fed and caffeinated, please support us for as little as a dollar a month on our Patreon page. This contribution not only helps me keep this show alive, you gain access to a ton of cool behind-the-scenes stuff. So please visit patreon.com backslash the Night Owl podcast and become a Night Owl patron today. And a special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Oh Boy Print Shop. If you have the need for custom t-shirt printing, you can feel at ease in the hands of Oh Boy Print Shop. Be sure to mention the Night Owl podcast to get $50 off your first order. And don't forget to stop by the Clay Pit in Austin, Texas and ask for the Night Owl Hidden Spirits menu. Grab a special haunted cocktail and support the show. Thank you all. And stay restless out there. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcast or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.